Hey everyone, it's Ryan again with the Blockchain Podcast, and today I'm going to talk a little bit about defining and valuing different crypto assets. And this is actually something I've been thinking probably an unhealthy amount uh, over the last several days and several weeks is trying to figure out what are the value or what is the value of all of these crypto assets. I mean, is it even worth any anywhere near what they're valued at at the moment? The market cap now for the entire uh, market, uh, as measured by coin market cap, is somewhere on the order of 700 billion. Uh, and and I'm kind of looking at all these different projects too, and you see a lot of them that are just trash, like Verge or Tron or whatever else. That uh, um, and, you know, others may argue that those are worth something, but I, I don't particularly think they're worth much. And so it get, keeps on, you know, getting, uh, uh, or I, at least I keep on thinking that I need to sit down and really think about where this market is going, where this industry is going, where the value is ultimately going to lie, what is the actual utility, and also importantly is how to define each of the assets, but then also what are their comps, uh, comparables in the traditional financial space. And I, and I think a lot of people always like to think that, oh, this is different, that these are revolutionary, that these are going to change the world or this blockchain technology. And yeah, I, you know, I agree that there's definitely very good utility uh, for this technology, but you know, there's really nothing new under the sun. You know, the internet came about, computers came about, all of these things, and those were very revolutionary technologies. And ultimately, companies build things around the technology. They get valued at certain numbers. Uh, there's uh, financial uh, derivatives and markets and all sorts of things that are built around them. And then there's, you know, just kind of these things that are added to people's portfolios, and they're just part of the investment uh, uh, scene and technology scene. And, and it's going to be no different uh, for blockchain. This is just an asset class. It's not even really an asset class of its own, particularly. It's really a mixture of technology and finance. And those are both very valuable industries, by the way. I mean, in as far as market cap goes and, and world companies, you know, technology and finance are, you know, market cap leaders. So there's lots and lots of, you know, of value there, you know, trillions of dollars worth of value. Um, the question is, is how does blockchain technology and these crypto assets fit into the global financial system and technology system? And that's something that I, I really want to think about. And the first way that I want to think about that is to kind of figure out what they are. What are these different assets? So what is Bitcoin and what is Ethereum and what is Ripple and what is Litecoin and what is NEO? What are these things or what are e what is EOS? So they're all actually uh, somewhat different, but they fall into particular classes. So there's these currency classes. So Bitcoin is this currency slash money, right? That's that's the first to the first to market. The one that everyone's aware of is Bitcoin. But it's different than, say, Ethereum, and it's different than, say, NEO. And I use NEO and Ethereum as examples here because, uh, you know, Ethereum is going to go towards this proof-of-stake system, and NEO has this, you know, sort of proof-of-stake system that is more actually like um, a, a traditional equity, where you, if you own NEO, uh, you have a say in, you know, consensus and some other things, but then you also get this dividend of gas that is similar to a dividend from an, uh, a typical company. So NEO is actually very much structured like an equity, whereas Ethereum right now is structured a bit differently. It's proof of work. When, you know, you have your miners, you have your kind of uh, technology, you have your fees and so forth, but the miners are the ones that are getting paid and everyone else that holds the tokens or the uh, Ether, I should say, they simply use that to participate in the uh, uh, in the market or uh, participate with the technology. It's kind of like a transaction fee, right? 
And then Bitcoin, it's also separated too. It has this proof of work system. The miners are off doing their thing, getting paid to mine uh, through the block reward and through fees. Uh, and the fees are t directly tied to how much usage there are there is in the network. And so, that, but there's a separation where Bitcoin holders don't have a say in the network. They don't. Uh, they don't have a vote. And so they're not exactly like. Uh, it's not exactly like an equity sort of arrangement. It's also not like a a, a bond where you you purchase some certain amount and you get some sort of dividend. So it, it's actually Actually, more akin to I think Bitcoin at least is more akin to say gold or silver and so right now the market cap for uh, Bitcoin is say 250 billion ish right and so you know is that too much is that too little and it's, it's really hard to tell actually because these these currencies or these monies um, kind of have a weird way of valuing it's, it's kind of valued based on human perception uh, just like gold you know there's some utility for gold but there's also just the fact that there's history with gold there's people that know gold everyone is aware of gold you know it's 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 historically uh, something that people understand it's historically some pe something people have used for money and it's really a social sort of consensus that gold is worth something and then in addition it's also relative to other currencies so if you have a significant devaluation in currencies uh, you'll probably see a gold increase in that particular currency and you know it's kind of this anchor if you will um to the currency system but again it's really through a mechanism of social cons consensus and scarcity so if we look at bitcoin as kind of being in the class of this gold sort of money um, the entire uh, gold market has a market cap of somewhere around 7.8 trillion dollars and uh, Bitcoin has a market cap of somewhere on the order of $250 billion right now. And so if you extrapolate that and say that, hey, you know, Bitcoin's the new gold, then you could have a significant increase even from here, you know, uh, more than 10 times, you know. And if you say it's like silver, though, the uh, entire above ground sort of value of silver is only on the order of uh, tens of billions. I think it's like 17 billion or 20 billion, somewhere, somewhere around there. So it's in the tens of billions. Okay, so you have tens of billions versus uh, trillions. And so is Bitcoin more like silver or is it more like, is it, I should say, is it more like digital silver or is it more like digital gold? Is Litecoin more like uh, silver and is Bitcoin more like gold? You know, and right now the market cap for uh, Litecoin is somewhere on the order of 15 billion ish, uh, thereabouts, uh, give or take, depending on the day. And so. Uh, that's kind of in the you know area of where silver is and gold or and Bitcoin is kind of you know up there but nowhere near the uh, market cap of uh, gold. Now, gold also uh, has a lot more awareness than Bitcoin, even though there's a lot of people aware of Bitcoin now. Um, and gold has some other features of being produced into jewelry and uh, other things, and it has some industrial value. But again, a large portion of it is is simply historical sort of central bank owning central banks owning gold, people owning gold. It's distributed to kind of all over the world. Everyone has access to gold, um, and so you know you can think of it something like that. And so if you do, then you kind of have to say, well, what is Bitcoin? Is it is it uh, gold or is it silver or is it something in between? And right now it's something in between, but could it collapse down to something like silver or could it uh, uh, rise like something like gold? And I think that's uh, open for debate and open for discussion. And I, I suppose we'll see as time goes on uh, where it actually falls in this uh, grand scheme of things. But I 
personally look at it something like that, but you could also look at it as something like a currency. That's where it's a little bit tougher, where you know a lot of things are denominated in US dollars, a lot of things are denominated in euros, a lot of things are denominated in pounds and, and yen and et cetera, et cetera. And you know, I don't quite believe that uh, Bitcoin is going to take over the world and be you know the de facto currency. I think it's going to carve out a niche for itself, whether in the digital space or otherwise. And I think people will accept it in different places, but I don't know if it'll di displace you know fiat currency permanently you know the world over. It would be ridiculous to say today because you'd be talking many tens of trillions of dollars and maybe a hundred trillion or so in market cap, which would put a coin at a ridiculous amount of money. Um, so I'm not quite sure that that's going to occur. I think that's really uh, not even shooting for the stars. That's like a, um, shooting for the next galaxy over. There's something to be said about it to actually becoming some sort of you know global sort of currency, uh, similar to dollars or, or other asset or sorry other fiat currencies. So that's essentially how I would um, kind of look at Bitcoin, Litecoin, uh, things of that nature. You, you also complicate things a little bit more, too, with something like Zcash or Monero, which, uh, you know, they have these privacy aspects specifically. They're more transactional sort of currencies or money, but with this utility of obscuring your uh, identity or uh, being private and so you could say maybe those are more like uh, black market sort of uh, transactions and now i'm not saying that every transaction for those currencies are you know nefarious or legal or something to that effect but what i am saying is that there is a market for um, privacy for you know untraceability and that's actually quite a large market too you, you know if you look at say something like uh uh, and again, I'm not saying that these these currencies have to be used exclusively for this or, or whatever. But if you look at uh, the black market, you look at drug trade, you look at money laundering, you look at all of these different things. I'm sure those numbers are huge, you know, in the billions at the very least, maybe even trillions of dollars that uh, where privacy is very important. So those ones actually could have a lot of value as well um, as these transactional currencies that have this privacy aspect built in and are used by particular uh, or, or that are valued by particular segments of the global economy. Um, so those ones, you know, it's. I mean, is it possible for them to be worth more? Uh, you know, if, if Bitcoin ends up being like gold, then, you know, that's a pretty high mark. But if uh, um, those end up being, you know, kind of these chosen currencies for all of this black market stuff, then, um, you know, you could see a pretty decent uh, 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 value or market cap for the privacy sorts of coins. And again, those wouldn't be, I don't think those would be used or looked at or viewed as kind of this digital gold, but they'd be looked at as something that has, you know, a utility for a particular space. Um, jumping over to Ethereum now and, uh, and say NEO, and I'm, and I'm going to be very um, loose with how I define these. And, and generally, I'm going to kind of bundle them into the kind of the same category, which is essentially these securitization platforms that are kind of structured more like an equity. So let me ex explain that a little bit. So Ethereum is eventually going to move to proof of stake and NEO is more or less proof, well, is proof of stake, a flavor of that. And proof of stake is, you know, more or less that uh, the token holders or the holders of the currency uh, get a dividend for participating in that network. Uh, whether the participation is, you know, being a bonded sort of validator or for being just holding for just holding the uh, token like a NEO, you get gas in Ethereum. With, once it changes over, you'll get Ethereum for, you know, being part of the validation process. And you'll also get a say in, uh, you know, 
any sort of changes to the code base, either through Neo or Ethereum, meaning, you know, if there's a hard fork or some sort of fork or something else that needs to be voted on, I believe the uh, stakeholders will have a say in that. So you'll be part of the governance. And so it's very similar to an equity where if I buy shares in Apple or Google, um, I actually get to vote on, you know, electing the board and potentially different uh, um, transactions like, you know, sell the company and things of that nature. And then also I get to share in the dividends if the company says, you know, we're going to uh, uh, give out dividends to shareholders, then I get a portion of that. And so as you can see, uh, Ethereum and NEO, you know, you hold some of the coin, uh, you get some of the stake, you know, and then part of that stake uh, is also tied to how many transactions are occurring on the network. So you get a portion of the transaction fees. And so that means if there's a lot of activity on the network and there's a lot of transaction fees and it's going up and up and up, then you get to participate in, you know, uh, uh, acquiring some of those fees as a stakeholder. So, again, to kind of recap, um, you have a say in the network, you have a stake in the network, you have uh, quote unquote shares in the network, you get paid a dividend from uh uh, the block rewards, but then also any sort of fees, and the fees are directly tied to the usage of the network. Okay, so it's actually very similar, like I said, to an equity, and so you can likely value it similar to an equity, and then you can also kind of look at comparables. So, is it uh, a technology company? Is it like uh, Goldman Sachs? Is it like uh, you know Alphabet or Google? Is it like Wells Fargo? You know, what is the the thing? I mean, so is it is Ethereum a financial securitization sort of company, or is it a you know technology sort of Google sort of company. And either way, if you look at comps, you're going to come up with something relatively similar, which is something valued in the hundreds of billions for a top company. So for example, Goldman Sachs is valued at uh, a market cap of around 100 billion, whereas say Bank of America is around 236 billion, JP Morgan 300 billion, uh, Google slash Alphabet, I'm going to say Alphabet because that's a technically the correct name, is around 570 billion. And, you know, Wells Fargo, 280 billion. So you're looking at hundreds of billions. You're not looking at trillions. You're looking at hundreds of billions for a financial sort of technology company uh, or slash technology or a financial company. And so it's reasonable to think that, you know, if the, you know, Ethereum, you know, catches on and is used for a lot of different things. Right now, it's primarily being used for securitization of these different tokens or assets or fundraising. And that's a particular niche. Uh, I think that it's probably overvalued even for that niche right there, right? Because if a lot of these tokens or assets that are on uh, Ethereum are not actually as valuable as um, people are projecting or, you know, trading or whatever the case may be, then, you know, you could see the value of Ethereum come down quite a bit as, you know, people use them less or there's less utility in that way. Uh, the network usage may go down. But if there's other things that are built on top of Ethereum, like these other apps or dApps or whatever that uh, um, a lot of people are using, then you have more network usage, you have more fees, you have more dividend, you have more appreciation, you have more value, right? So same sort of thing with NEO. NEO has a lot less usage um, at this point. They're kind of building this technology that will uh, potentially compete with Ethereum, but they have a much uh, smaller network actual usability footprint. 
but still have the same sort of potential in theory of you know a hundred billion, two hundred billion, three hundred billion dollar company. And again, because it's structured like an equity, I think you can actually uh, look at comparables and, and say you know it's somewhere around there. Now, if Ethereum or Neo falter and you know the company crashes or there's some big security risk or people stop using it or something comes out that's better, you have all these risks that just any other company does too. You know, if they're not these, uh, even if they're big established companies, you still have competition. Maybe the fees end up being too high for Ethereum and people are like, this is ridiculous, you know, I can't use this anymore. You know, just like if you were to go to a bank and, you know, they start charging ridiculous fees for your banking account, you're going to say, I can't do this anymore and you're going to go to a different bank. So there is competition in this space as well, uh, but you also have to look at stickiness. You know, if you're on the Ethereum chain, are you stuck there? Can you switch over to Ethereum Classic chain easy enough? Uh, How will your users of that token respond to that? Uh, Can you jump over to NEO or NEO to um, Ethereum? How much recoding is required uh, and is that even possible or as new people come on board are they going to look at you know the fees for a particular network the maturity of the network and if it's too saturated they actually go to a different smart contract platform and so then what you end up having is a bunch of uh, uh, smart contract platforms that you know end up settling in at some sort of values of you know 10 billion here 50 billion here 30 billion here 100 billion here and you get you know the same as you get with any other industry as you get you know the stratification of different values and users and uh, market cap and uh, market uh, uh, dominance, so uh, or market share, I should say. So I think that's ultimately what's going to happen, uh, especially for the smart contract sort of platforms and even the application sort of platforms, and maybe even the currency is as well. That you actually just get this, you know, you have your number one, your number two, and your number three, um, and then you have you know a bunch of smaller ones behind uh, behind there. And so you can also look at something that's more mature too, like um, say the semiconductor industry with you know say the CPUs. You have AMD, you have Intel. Intel is kind of a uh, somewhat of a monopoly at this point or just have you know high dominance but they're still AMD and back in the day they, they kind of competed more head to head but you have one and two with Uber you had with uh, I'm sorry uh, um, the uh, taxi kind of services or with uh, just call it Uber and Lyft so with, you have Uber and Lyft those one and two you have you know Microsoft and Apple with you know operating systems. You have Linux as well. So one, two, three, and so you kind of have these things that kind of consolidate. You know, with a few of them in each of these different classes uh, when it comes down to it. And then in China, you have kind of their own sort of indigenous preference. So you have you know Alibaba in the U.S. You kind of have Amazon, and you have um, this kind of duality with the East and West. And so you may see that, uh, and I think you are seeing that in the blockchain space where you probably have things that are more favored you know, in Asia, and you have things that are more favored in the Western society, and then you'll get again, that kind of split as well. So when you're looking at these different assets, I, I think it's really important to look at these comparables and to actually become more honest about what things are worth, uh, especially now. Now, if you're into trading and you're looking for pumps and you're looking for, you know, things like that, you know, I'm not against that. I mean, just understand that you're, you're gambling and that you need to uh, uh, play the uh, play the play your hands correctly, or play the you know kind of the roulette wheel properly, where you know you need to put small bets on different things, and then when they pop, you know you take your gains and you move. But eventually, you want to settle some of that cash on these things that are really durable investments that are kind of these blue chip companies. And as time goes on, it's going to become more and more clear what those are. And like I kind of outlined today, you know, it's, you know, you have these kind of currencies and these monies uh, and then you have kind of these, um, 
these transactional currencies that have different utility factors. Uh, and then you have kind of these smart contracts that are more tied to um, uh, securitization, but also, you know, they seem to be being set up as these equities that are rewarding uh, the shareholders for an engaged and developed network. So for smart contracts, you want to look at, you know, which, which one of these are developed or creating engaged networks with developers that are um, incentivized to create applications that increase the number of transactions that ultimately end up paying out the shareholders or the token holders. Um, the last sort of class are these application ones. And I won't talk too much about this because I need to do a bit more research. And I, I know a bit about them, but I need to really drill drill down. But things like e EOS or Stratus or Lisk, and I'm going to assume for any of these that the token holders are ultimately going to make up the genesis block for the applications that are derived from these. And so I'll kind of briefly kind of give you an idea of something like EOS. So EOS is kind of like this operating system, okay, for blockchain. And so when people use it, they're going to deploy their own block blockchain and they're going to have this genesis block the genesis block is like who gets the tokens initially and then those tokens are going to be distributed and those people are going to use those tokens to then uh, elect people these delegates to handle kind of the proof of stake validation okay so it's delegate it's a delegated proof of stake system and the token holders are the shareholders if you will and they're going to have a say in uh, electing people and then uh, they may or may not i don't know if the actual holders are just the delegates are going to be the ones that actually uh uh, get the revenue or the fees for doing this uh, uh, or for validating. So EOS is kind of like, say it's Microsoft and Microsoft charges um, these licensing fees. But instead of licensing fees, they have a particular ownership stake in that application. So this application, say um, Adobe, you know, uh, Creative Suite, uh, EOS would be like, okay, I own a particular, or our token holders own a particular share of um, uh, this application, and Adobe may decide to distribute other tokens to others, but essentially they get this distribution of uh, stakeholders that they can then use to uh, kind of kick off their delegated proof of stake system, and then they have this application running, they have these uh, proof of stakeholders or these token holders, and they have these delegates, and that ecosystem kind of runs. So with these applications, it's kind of in a way um, spawning shareholders into these different applications. So whereas with these smart contract systems, you know, you increase in the network, increases the you know amount of fees that you know the the holders are going to get through the proof of stake system. These application blockchains are going to uh, potentially you know again they're not deployed yet mm -hmm. um, in earnest, but they're going to provide uh, shares in the applications that are spawned from these projects, and that's interesting. And I, and I don't know a, a particularly good analogy for that, but. Uh, it's a different it's a different sort of investment mechanism it's it's like you're going to be able to derive value from the different things that spawn you know real full-fledged applications that spawn from these projects so it's not necessarily tied to the uh, amount of network activity it's it's more tied to um, the developer ecosystem you know encouraging people to build on top of eos and then i you know depending on what the rules are how they have it set up you know the distribution of uh, uh the final delegates. So if, if they say, okay, EOS holders get 50% of um, the tokens for this project, another 50% are allocated to founders and maybe some sort of crowd sell, then you have as token holders for EOS, um, a 50% ownership stake in this application. And then if that happens again and again and again, it provides a very interesting uh, investment thesis that, you know, something that I have to, you know, pencil out a little bit closer and think about, but very interesting nonetheless. 
So overall, uh, I think thinking about what the comparables are, looking at you know big companies, uh, looking at you know different currencies and monies, silver, gold, other things. Uh, I think that's actually the most rational way of looking at these things. Uh, and one could argue that market cap isn't the best uh, mechanism for valuing these, valuing these different crypto assets. But I think it's okay as long as you're kind of comparing to assets that you know perform similarly. Because at the end of the day, that's what people are going to to be looking at when you know all this hype is you know kind of come and gone is what is an alternative investment that I can invest in uh, that produces better investment results. So uh, eventually, someone's going to say, you know, is Ethereum, you know, holding Ethereum mm-hmm. tokens or Neo tokens um, and getting gas at this particular rate, you know, it's going to it's going to produce some sort of dividend. Why don't I put this in some other high higher uh, uh, dividend producing asset? You know, some traditional sort of stock that pays me more out. And that's ultimately what investors are going to do because that's what investments all about is actually getting you know the best return for your money. And crypto is not always going to be the best return for your money, especially once things start stop appreciating as fast as they are now. And the utility value is ultimately what's going to be driving the fees and other things. And that's ultimately, again, going to be the thing that is going to uh, uh, value, ultimately value these uh, assets. So if there's no one using the token or no one using the network, then you're going to quickly (laughs) drop very fast as far as your uh, asset value. So I don't know how long that'll take, but that that will absolutely 100% happen. Things like Tron or Verge pumping way up, and then people kind of doing this pump and dump, because you still have that with penny stocks today, and then coming back down to earth, but then you're gonna have these blue chips that are just like these ones that are solid investments. So uh, with that, I think I'll close out. But as always, you know, check out the website. Um, I, I keep on saying I add the podcast there, but I'm trying to add more articles with a lot of detailed analysis. But writing takes time, but check it out. Bookmark it. Um, sign up for the newsletter. I'll eventually get something out there with some of my picks as I'm doing more and more research here. And then, you know, you can follow on Twitter and Facebook, and that's where I pay, uh, post the latest updates. Hope to get some more activity there. But really what I'm trying to do is... Uh, use these podcasts to really kind of introduce some new thoughts and really drill down on reality because we haven't quite hit reality yet we've we've hit a lot of hype and it's a very interesting and fun space but we haven't uh, got down to the nuts and bolts and reality of okay you know we have this valuable thing which ones are valuable what are they really priced at let's uh, uh allocate our portfolio and then hold it and then you know go invest in some other things outside of crypto as well to help diversify um our portfolio So with that, I'll see you next time and uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast.